Today is Friday, July 28th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 530 features NBC Sports Boston's Chris Forsberg. And today's show is powered by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. You skip your name there? Doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, then yeah, yeah. If, if you don't know already, <laughs> you didn't know. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Celtics Beat. I'm back. That's fun. Uh, it was uh, Ev, Ev ran the party last week. Evan Valenti was here with Bobby Manning. This time, you got the both of us as well. As Chris Forsberg, a a backwards hat, Chris Forsberg, and it's it's so fresh great. off an eighty one, Chris Forsberg. I think is where That's we need true. Fresh to off the golf course, to... Chris Forsberg. He has many nicknames. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe future voice of the Celtics, Chris Forsberg. No, that that that, that is not. I don't know. That's a sore subject. I'm I'm not ready for the uh, Mike Gorman departure, but um, I will say that if Mike Gorman has passed anything on to me, it has been the love of golf. And uh, so, yeah, uh, I appreciate you guys. I tried. I got home and I said, I got to get ready. And so, some people at my house said, you you can't go on camera looking like that. And I said, <laughs> looking like what? And uh, the hair is 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 golf course. Uh, tussled so uh you get backward hat Forsberg today which hasn't been seen in maybe and, and not on camera maybe ever uh it hasn't been seen really in these parts since I don't know I was in high school so uh oh, enjoy it. it's really just so funny that that it, like I, I I almost burst out laughing when our cameras came on and you showed up with the backwards hat because and I say this a thousand percent sincerely I I, I had a, a a little window. I had like a 20 minute window from playing video games with my kids to, you know, jumping on here to do this. And I hadn't showered today and was all, mm. you know, also had a hat on a little disheveled wearing like the same shirt I'd worn the last three days. And I was like, I, I should, you know, to your point, we're on yeah. camera. I should, I should run through the shower real quick. Yeah. I, I wear a hat a lot. Maybe I won't wear a hat for the podcast. And uh, you know, the mind starts wandering. I'm like, you know, I'm not sure I've ever seen Forsberg with a hat on. No. I mean, and, again, and, and and here you are. You show up with a hat on. I know. It's. Uh, I, it's I wish like you could I, know how monumental. Like I built it into existence. My my wife like w- would often joke. She didn't know what I looked like without a hat. In because we met in high school, and I used to wear them all the time. And now I just I I don't know. It's not even because like I like my hair now. It's just just it's I just don't wear hats anymore. Except if I'm, if yeah. I'm on a golf course. And uh yeah, and I just I just if, if I showed you guys earlier, it's like it gets it's it's a little bit of a mess here. So right. we're just gonna we're just gonna rock with it. And uh if I had been thinking better, I would have looked like Evan with the seven buttons open. So right. you know. I know, I'm not even sure that that actually is buttoned at any point. It's like he just okay. walked in from the pool and the yeah, shirt is, you know, half and half. Yeah. Well, look, man, look, I'm trying to bring it somewhat fashion to this particular pod. Forsberg being on the spot. I actually, I questioned what I was going to wear today because usually with Forsberg, I wear something outrageous. And then it I really is. this time I just decided to go like I'm just fresh off the beach, uh, ready to rock and roll here, basically. So Are you fresh off the beach? I've never seen you in a hat no. either. No, so I don't wear hats. Uh, see, I think Forsberg's lying to himself. I think Forsberg doesn't wear hats because he knows his hair looks good. Because that's why I don't wear hats. True. That, that's just because the hair looks too good, and like mm-hmm. I just don't have like a hat. Like I, I wore a hat. I have like one hat in my house. It's the Ted Williams like nine, yeah, sort of, yeah. like the retired number hat. That's the only hat I own. Actually, like the next time I go play golf, I'm gonna try and buy 
not a Red Sox hat, but like a legitimate golf hat. I, have, if, I don't know. What if, to do. if I straighten it, if I straighten this out, you get so Sean's, yeah. which is uh, Coastal Carolina. Sick. Uh, my mom lives in South Carolina, and the school is right in the backyard. And except my camera is going to wash out my whole shot because it's uh, <laughs> it's very white. So I'm just gonna I'll be the the whitest thing in the yeah. shot, and uh, we'll keep it backwards. Nice. I'm very stereotypical. Media guy likes free things, so I probably have. 75 hats and i wear <laughs> three of them like it's it's mm-hmm. they're they're all just in the closet taking up space driving my wife absolutely nuts but okay. uh hey maybe maybe we'll uh you know i'll I'll start wearing a different hat for every show and i'll Ooh. see how long it takes to go through them all and it will be 2029 i mean this this is a this, this is a this this is this is state of the Celtics that we've sent seven minutes on hats. Like That's right. that it, it, it's it's yeah. summer. It's almost right August, now. guys. What are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. On on the Gorman thing, I mean, we could go at length, obviously, talking about Mike Gorman. But I I I had to have a, a little chuckle to myself, Ev. I don't know if you were the same way when obviously uh, Jared Weiss put out the story on the Athletic, and and you know Mike kind of. I guess made his his formal announcement, if you will, and then obviously you guys at NBC Sports Boston. It's it's the let's celebrate Mike's final season and and all the questions about Will Grandy going to the booth and all that stuff. But but I kind of chuckled because, I mean, Mike told us on this podcast two years ago exactly when he was going to retire, and you know Jared, he's been, but he's there. been kind of on the when they win one, I'm, you know, and so no, this not is... on this show. On this show, he was very specific. Ah, uh, well, good it was, for him. It, it was literally, it was, it was, you know, like I'm trying to remember exactly when it was. Was it last year or the year before? He, that he we had him on. We ask him this quite frequently because we're all very nervous about it. We're just like, what? Right. Yeah. Mike, at what point are you going to hang this up? Because we have to mentally prepare ourselves for what mm-hmm. these games are going to be like without you on them. So we just yeah. need to know for future, like just protection from p- possible emotion that we just need to be prepared for when. Because look, as all of you will attest to, Mike Gorman is the voice of the Celtics for all three of us, like, and yeah, yeah. millions of more fans around the world. He is uh, the best. I got to interview him for the first time when I was working at my old radio station. And I remember asking him at the end, I was like, hey, uh, one of my favorite um, things that you've done is Requiem for the Big East. It's a 30 for 30 on ESPN. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think a lot of people know that uh, the Bill Raftery sent it in Jerome where Jerome Smith breaks the backboard and it yeah. just shatters. Mike Gorman's sitting right next to him. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I kind of parlayed that moment into like, how much do you miss old school college basketball because it's just not the same anymore and he went on for like 10 minutes and I was like I could listen to this for like an hour he just has he's a tremendous storyteller and it's just it's tough we're all dealing with it you know uh in our own ways Chris I know it must be unbelievably hard to even think of as a guy that's a colleague you know so I will just say this so when I was at and and I hope the statue of limitation is worn off on this but uh so when I was at ESPN Mike Gorman used to pull me aside and I had no idea if Mike Gorman even knew who I was or like what I did and um he's like you'll work for us someday and I you know I'm laughing and he's like no you're going to be part of us and you'll be part of the broadcast I'm thinking this man is just killing me with kindness and so uh but like a huge part of my decision to go over to NBC Sports Boston was based on I can't believe I'm going to work with Mike and Tommy, who were just absolute like, I don't like calling them legends. It doesn't do it justice. It's just if you were a Celtic fan growing up, it was Mike and Tommy, and like that's the only 
TV voices you ever knew. And the idea of that I would be part of that was so like ridiculous to me. And even as I'm bracing to go over there and I, I, I probably told the story before, but like, I think my first night, I forget if it was a preseason game or whatever. Cause I, I jumped, I jumped on like uh first day of training camp, probably 2019, I think it was. And one of the first nights I'm in studio and Tommy's sitting there and Draper was setting us up and me and Tommy are sitting on one side of this. I'm thinking he's looking over at this and me going, what is this? And, uh, you know, but like he, 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 he could not have been kinder. And Mike especially has just always sort of said this would happen. And so I'm in denial phase of it. I like, I, I just, I was going to do a podcast with Mike and I was, the first question was going to be, okay, you're here to announce that, you know, this is all farce that (laughs) you're not actually retiring. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so look, look, if the Celtics will do him the justice of sending him out with a parade, and like making this a magical fairy tale ending, like okay, maybe I'll be on board with it. Like that's a good time to ride off to the sunset. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not mentally prepared quite yet for the idea, and I don't want to. I just don't want to think about it, you know. Right. And like I didn't, I didn't retweet the press release. I didn't like. <laughs> I just like I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, just not, I'm, I'm just I'm I'm just not there yet. And uh, so we'll talk. I, I haven't talked to him a lot this summer so we'll get there and I'll, maybe i'll come to grips with it but um on one hand i'm glad he gets a year to to sort of celebrate and um you know get the right send off but again it goes back to the celtics like let's get this right let's 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 send him out with uh with the championship and, and then maybe i'll maybe i'll come to terms with it it really is just pretty nuts you know if, if you're of a certain age obviously and there's a, a pretty wide window of this that all three of us fall into and i'm sure many of our listeners as well there are just so many iconic broadcasters that have come through boston i don't want to spend too much time on this we'll talk about the jalen brown extension and some other things concerning the celtics but just thinking about it right now and and the fact that you know as as you said we we've known for a couple of years that that obviously we're nearing the end like this wasn't going to go on forever but you know he had told us on the show i want to say it was about this time last year uh you know i i think two more seasons feels like a good number and so we did last year and obviously this coming season will be the end and it's obviously all three of us were too young to have experienced johnny most people would have talked about johnny most ah, i'm old enough so i like i well, i but- got a t- I, I remember as a little child, like listening yeah. to that. And so like, there, there's part of me. So like, look, and look, my, uh, Johnny Moe stamped Mike Gorman, which was, I, I feel yeah. like that I just use some like really like my 14 year old vernacular there, but, um, <laughs> like he, he, he helped Mike shape got it and like his yeah. signature. And so, you know, but those are, those are the two Celtic voices to me. And no, that's no disrespect yeah. to Grandy and, and Maxwell yeah. and everybody else. It's just those have been the voices throughout my life. And like eventually I'll include Grandy in that, that conversation because he's sure. like, he's just been around now for, for forever. And, uh, and, and that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's wild that we just like, we can, we can name all the Celtic broadcasters in like 20 seconds, right? Yeah. Like it's just, it, it, it speaks volumes about what they've meant to, to this. And that, again, that's why I just, I just, I'm just not ready to get there because right. it's, it's Mike. Like, it, well, we're, just, we're, I mean, where I was going with that anyway, is just that, you know, to your point, like Mike has obviously been around for four plus decades at this point. He is, he has been my life as far as Celtics broadcasting goes on the TV side. It's been grandy for really as long as I can mm-hmm. remember on the radio side. And, you know, you could look at, at all these, 
uh, all, all the different sports in town. Obviously, it was Gil Santos forever on the Patriots, and Bob Sosie's great. But it was, you know, Gil Hall of Famer, like League of His Own, obviously. You could look at the Red Sox, and and so many came through there. But during, like, the sort of the the, the height of my listening days, it was it was Sean McDonough. It was, obviously, Castiglione is, is still there, although he's going to be retiring. Jerry Truffiano, you know, like, that was my childhood, those two guys on the radio on EEI. You could... You know, the Bruins, like Dave Gosher, you know, for me, uh, you know, obviously it's it's that era, you know, pr- pretty much. And so, like, I think about kind of what's next and who knows, hopefully Grandy, it, you know, if, if nothing else. And I, I love the guy. So I, if he if he wants it, I hope he gets it. I, I, I root for what he roots for. But if, um, you know, if, like if he decides he wants to stay on radio or continue in this kind of hybrid capacity, doesn't want to do TV. I, I saw mm-hmm. a, a mention on Twitter the other day. I think it was Chad Finn saying that, you know, listing some of the people that had expressed interest in in the job and, and he he named Noah Eagle. And I had this visceral reaction because and Noah like Noah's great. And a Syracuse guy, obviously Ian is an icon. Like it's it, it like this has nothing to do with Noah Eagle so much as like he's a kid. And that's that doesn't mean he's not good or not accomplished. It's like I can't imagine going from Mike Gorman to someone who's in his twenties all of a sudden doing Celtics games on TV. Like it's, it will just, if it's not Grandy, basically whoever it is, if it's not Grandy, it's going to feel so incredibly different. No, and I'm, I'm with you. That's why I don't think it's unless, unless, unless Grandy doesn't want the job, I think would be the, the way that goes down, but I don't know. All I, all I can say is I, I'm still not, I can't, I just can't even imagine. Like I just, I, it's, it's, it's above my pay grade for how that plays out. But, um, I just, I just can't imagine not Mike isn't part of the rotation and, you know, yeah. even it, it, like this year he'll, he'll do the homes. And so hopefully Grandy will do the roads and it's, just, but it, it's still just, it's jarring that, you know, we're looking at, looking at life without, without Mike Gorman on the voice. And I like, it's totally selfless of him to be like, you know, it's my time to just hand it off to somebody else. Um, but I'm not ready for it. So yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going to stay steadfast in that. And, uh, if you see me holding him down on that announcer table by game 82 and saying, no, you're, you're not done. Like that's, that's just the way I feel. Here's something, Chris, that I am certain you are ready for. You are ready to move on from, <laughs> and that is being asked. So Chris, when do you think Jalen Brown's going to get his mm. extension done? When's, when's this going to happen? What's the holdup? It's done. The Jalen Brown extension's done. If you're listening to the show, obviously you know that by now. He has had his press conference. He had a one-on-one interview with Chris after the fact as well. So uh, he has gotten, obviously, uh, that much closer to Jalen, who is now, yes, whether you like it or dislike it, the highest-paid player in NBA history. And I have had a number of people reach out to me who maybe don't – I mean, they're NBA fans, they're basketball fans, but they don't necessarily – follow it in the way that we do where they're analyzing the excuse me the uh the the cap and percentage of cap and just they they just see the salary and go oh my god 304 305 million dollars for Jalen Brown like really is he worth that and my response is very simply always it's just the cost of doing business mm-hmm. like you you didn't have a choice in the matter it you were going to super max him he was going to accept it there were going to be some yeah, haggling over various things, whether it was the player option or or trade kicker or whatever else, but this is what the deal was going to look like. He was never leaving unless he was traded, but he he wasn't just going to refuse the deal. Nobody walks away from that money, and uh, here we are. We move forward. So as much sort of drama or conversation has surrounded the last 
several weeks, Chris, of us debating how this was going to unfold. We knew how this was going to unfold. Jalen Brown is still, and for the foreseeable future, maybe not the length of the contract, the way this league works, who knows, but for the foreseeable future, he is a Boston Celtic. Nothing has changed. Right. And, but like, still, I'll admit as much as, so I got worried because I kept digging in and saying, you know, everything people tell me, it's all good. It's going to happen. Don't worry. But when you're on July 25th, you're like, why hasn't happened? You know? And, and so it's, it's only natural to, to fret that stuff. Um, just like you said, it was hard to envision a pathway that didn't end with Jalen getting that money. It was essentially close to a hundred million dollars more than what anybody else could offer. And some of that is like, Celtics could offer the extra year. Yeah. Right. So like, you know, but still that sometimes matters because people love security and, um, you know, Jalen would have been risking something to get to try to go through this year. And whether that was to get all NBA again and be eligible or what, you know, whatever the case may be. And so, uh, I think this was the expected outcome, but until he signed that paper in front of us all the other day. Uh, yeah, you were, you were fair to sit there and wonder if for sure it would get to the finish line. Um, I was pretty confident it would, and everyone from uh, the team to the players seemed to think it would get there. And it's, it's funny. It's almost anticlimactic, right? Like it was a cool moment and I'm glad Jalen got to do it sort of in the midst of the MIT program and the bridge program that he was doing. And that was really neat that, you know, he's, he was saying how he was working with the kids that day when his agent texts him and says, okay, you know, with the deal is in place and like, how do you want to do this? And they wanted it back over there because he was already over there with the kids and uh powerful moment and really cool to see. Like I, I'd been out there on uh, the week before Friday when he went to Dorchester and did a court dedication and like just seeing how people respond to Jalen being in the community and like how much it means to them. It's, 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 it reminds you why, you know, he's worth the money. And we can nitpick about eight turnovers in game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals, but uh there's so much more to it than that. And so uh, you know, just as you just as you laid it out there, I'm not sure what the alternative was. If you're thinking like, oh, the Celtics should do something other than pay Jalen Brown the max. Um, so I'm glad it's done. I'm glad we can start obsessing about other parts of like the roster, which feels unfinished. Um, I'm glad I can worry about like, when are they going to extend Derek white and like, what's up in it with Peyton Pritchard. And, you know, it's fun to just turn the page on storylines that we've been talking about for months now and years now. And uh, like, you know, Jalen's going to be here until the Celtics have, the Celtics certainly have tougher decisions. And I, you know, I don't know how that will tip. Um, I think they want to see it this year and, and figure that all out. Uh, but like it, uh, it's a little bit more of that security. Like everything right now, the focus should just be on the 23, 24 season. And everybody has a little bit of security in terms of like all this, everyone's like their, their future isn't uncertain right now. So, all right. The only focus should be on basketball. Let's see what they can do. Although this is me being entirely an asset, I didn't need the applause after every single answer. The press conference. <laughs> That's what we do at, at Supermax Contracts. And it's weird as media because, like, there's yeah. kids on both sides. There's Jalen's family. There's yeah. Celtic people. And so everyone's clapping after everything. And, you know, I'm like, what do I do with my hands? You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, um, you know, I just had a contract for $304 million and people want to applaud everything I say. I'm going to be totally fine <laughs> with that. Okay. <laughs> 
It's a big moment. All right. It is. Huge moment. Jeez. <laughs> Here's the way I look at it. I don't know how many Supermax signings I'll be a part of. So the fact that I get to one do, more in you. I got one more in me and then we'll see, you know, uh, so it, it's kind of neat to be a part of those things and everyone's a little bit different. And, uh, it's cool that they let him sort of dictate how it was going to play out. And, you know, I'm, 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 uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm just glad to be a part of those things because they are monumental moments. Like people signing the highest value contract in NBA history. I don't know how many times I'm going to get to do that. One Maybe more. twice. How is, uh, <laughs> one more. Yeah, yeah. At least, at least the one more with Jason Tatum. When yeah. He, you know, gets three fifty or whatever the number is at that point with a player you option. Know, something that hasn't probably been talked about a lot, uh, because we're we're in a sea of things that are you know talked about ad nauseum right now. You being someone who has been on the Celtics beat as long as you have been, obviously, and being very close to the team and close to the players, and you know you talked to Jalen Brown dozens of times in your life, obviously. How has he changed since he's entered the league to where he is now, to where he is now the highest paid player in league history? Just That's as interesting. a person, like, as a man, how has he evolved and grown? It's funny because like I don't I don't of all the people, like Jalen is sort of who he was. So you remember his first press conference or he was sitting down there in New York and he said, I'm gonna go to war for this city, even though they booed him when they like mm-hmm. when they when he when they took the pick. And it wasn't booing him, it was booing the situation and the fact that everybody wanted a more known commodity and all that. Um but Jalen has always sort of been who he is. And, you know, he 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 has his priorities and and you know things he wants to do beyond basketball. And I, I, I commend that because it's easy to just get focused on when you're a basketball player and getting paid a lot of money about basketball to be just overly concerned about that. Now I've heard people say like, Oh, you know, he's, is he too worried about what he's going to do off the court? And it's like, come on, these guys have a lot of time. They have a lot of, uh, desires and ambitions and, and stuff like that. I think Jalen's going to be just fine. And I think he and more than anybody is aware of his shortcomings as a basketball player. And so, you know, you heard him say it afterward. You know, I was asking him about, is there pressure? He's like, pressure isn't a bad thing. You know, pressure is, pressure is good. Pressure makes you uncomfortable, makes you do things that, um, you know, maybe you wouldn't naturally just gravitate towards. And so, uh, I think he knows we're all sitting here lamenting the turnovers and the ball handling. And he, look, uh, he's got Twitter, you know, like people are jerks on that platform and, and it's, it, they're pretty quick to tell him when, when things are going badly. And so, uh, I suspect he's always been someone that has been super motivated. And so I don't know. I, I would love to tell you a way that he's changed. I'm sure he's grown in, in, in ways that are, are beyond obvious. But, um, for me, it comes down to he's a guy that every single year comes back better than he left. And I don't suspect that this year will be any different. So when I, when I think about, you know, Jalen Brown isn't going to get complacent because he got the biggest contract in NBA history. He wants to be remembered as one of the best and he understands that there's still a ways to go to get there. And so uh credit to him because I, I think it's easy when you get that big deal to sort of whether you downshift or you just like, wow, look at me. And I just don't think Jalen's that guy. I think he's uh since day one, he's been motivated to to show he's the best uh that he can be or show that we haven't seen the best version of him. And that's something he kept saying at that press conference. So uh I'm eager to see max contract version of Jalen Brown and uh hopefully he'll shut a few people up on Twitter. Good luck with that. That's gonna be tough. But this 
the one or thing X, I, whatever it's called now. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm not calling it X. That's the stupidest thing. <laughs> but the way this contract's been talked about, one of the things I've really enjoyed uh, is in Kaufman, we were talking about this pre-show, the blowback from the initial report and then people with giant platforms or people that I think are somewhat intelligent to very intelligent in terms of talking about basketball are like, again, Rosillo, uh, the basketball Jones guys, I don't know what's it, no dunks incorporated, whatever they are now. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying like, what else are they supposed to do? Like, this is what, this is called playing basketball in 2023, 2024. You have to lock these guys in. And the way Boston apparently wasn't supposed to sign a guy because he can't dribble his left hand, even though we have evidence that he can. And like, it's just ridiculous. And the other thing that I'll say is Forsberg, you mentioned this in your, in I think one of your most recent columns that you posted. One of my favorite things about this Jalen Brown contract is for one whole year, Chris, we don't have to yeah. talk Jalen Brown getting traded somewhere. Like this is just tremendous relief for all of us in the content. <laughs> I, I can't talk about it anymore. I love Jalen Brown. I love the fact that he's staying in Boston. I made the case last week that having him here, you know, you're going to have to pay a little extra, but it's going to be okay because he's going to do some really great things in Boston that you should want mm-hmm. to have a player of that particular caliber off the floor in Boston. I think this is tremendous, but at the buried of all that, at the at the heart of all of that is the, yes, we don't have to deal with Jalen Brown trades anymore. I'm it, so it, thrilled it, for you. It, it was number one on my, my list of questions to ask him in that one-on-one, and I, 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 I fumbled that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because, like, it, I, every time it, as it dragged on, I was like, Oh, is he just not want to be part of trade rumors next July? But you could make a deal and then just execute it in August. So it really doesn't matter. But for one full year for this off, the rest of this off season and straight through the trade deadline, Jalen doesn't have to deal with that. And that's got to be a relief for him because every single year it's been something when it's Kawhi or James Harden or Jimmy or. I mean, Anthony Davis, Chris Dunn. Yeah. Like, right. Like, although I feel like that was more Tatum, but like it, it, it just always been something. And so, uh, it's good that Jalen just gets to sort of celebrate being the highest played basketball player. And, you know, and, and, no, and everyone knows like that's fleeting. <laughs> Jason's going to come along next year and sign the next biggest. And so it just, it is what it is. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what Jalen does as uh you know on and off the court but uh the Celtics love security and yeah. and Jason Jalen has a whole bunch of it right now is Derek White next I hope so so you know it's funny I, I always wonder how fast I should turn the page on these things and um it's something I've been thinking about for a while you know he's been extension eligible and so essentially he signed his in December of 2020 that was the pandemic year so it's like essentially July of 2020 and you know uh, but second anniversary, you become eligible, and he's got two years left. There's no real reason the Celtics need to rush to do that, except that if Derek White continues his upward trajectory, and after you see Fred Van Vliet's of the world sign for $128 million or whatever the crazy number is, uh, there could be a value in just getting that done sooner than later. And so his max number, if I did my math right this morning as I'm sitting at my kitchen table punching numbers uh is 140 percent of his last year's salary which puts him at about i think 27 million so with two million dollar raises each year that gets you to about 89 million dollars or something like that or maybe just south of that over three years which is what you can offer this summer and so like if i'm the celtics feel pretty good about the way Derek white has played here and if you are all about security i i think i'd think about it 
I, you know, if I did my, again, if I did my math right, I think it's 16 and a half percent of the salary cap and he's at 13 and a half right now. It's not that big of a jump. And as you're looking the for cost efficient ways, so let, yeah, let, so if, if you call that, you know, and again, sometimes I worry that cap real cap people are going to swoop in and be like, no, you idiot. It's this. <laughs> um, but like, I hope I did my math right. And, uh, you know, like, I feel like that's a fair deal and something that he could at least think about. And the Celtics don't have to go that high. You know, the, the, the CBA just changed where instead of 120%, you go to 140%. So it's something they can talk about. You could always wait till next summer and talk about adding three years instead of two more years or, you know, what, what or, or three or four more years instead of three years, whatever the, 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 that gets you to five years total. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, but it's just something that if I'm Brad and I'm starting the plot long term money, wouldn't it be the worst to try to get him locked up and it just comes down to how confident are you that he's your your point guard for the future and uh or at least a, a part of that backcourt no matter you know who the pg and sg are so um yeah i mean i think i think if i'm if i'm brad it's it's something i'm i'm floating maybe i take august off so you know then maybe we can all enjoy a vacation and go off a little bit more and yeah let's 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 rekindle that in september and see how everybody's feeling yeah, so if we are on the cusp of. Well, go ahead, F. No, I mean, I'm just saying, I w- I would 100% lock Derek White down as soon as humanly possible because it's not like you have his replacement sitting somewhere on your roster that you're confident in. Right. I mean, I, I you know, I, I love uh, Bandon's going to be an interesting guy. Pritchard is, you know, Peyton Pritchard. Who knows how long Malcolm Brogdon's going to be here? The guy that's going to replace him is not sitting on your roster right now. Mm-hmm. So, no. Unless they go out and trade for someone, which I don't think they're going to do right now. Uh, and I have a hard time replacing the guy that impacts winning like Derek White does. I mean, he's really tremendous. And, you know, you go from – as, as long as we have a, a point guard on the Celtics that we can say impacts winning. Then well, yeah. We well, does, though. I mean, it's, it's, look at his on-off numbers. They're unbelievable. But the thing yeah. – Derek White going from a guy who everybody blamed being terrible in the NBA Finals, which was a ridiculous <laughs> subplot, by the way, um, to being their starting point guard and, like, one of their best players – I mean, I would I would have argued last year Forsberg. I don't know about you, but he was their third best player last year. I thought he was tremendous. Yes, I I, I argued it this off season, and then funny, like two days later, they signed Porzingis or traded for Porzingis, and I was like, okay, well now he's the fourth best player. But um, you know, and, and everyone Hopefully. was funny because everyone came at me and they're like, wait, wouldn't you say Rob is their third best player? And I was like, well, I would say Rob is their third best player. But like, I get I get the I get the conversation. He was really good last year, and uh, I think we all knew outside of, you know, getting traded last year or two, like essentially a year and a half ago and, and, and getting thrown into that situation and all that comes with that, that he would be better and that he would be more comfortable and all that. But still he went to it. Like if I, if I was expecting a jump to this level, he went to an even higher level. And so, uh, I'm intrigued by, we've already seen the, 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 the summer hype video of him dunking on some poor guy at a, at a, like a pro-am or something. How do we feel about and, bald Derek White? Yeah. Bald D White is the man now. <laughs> Um, I'm I excited missed the for hair. I missed the he, hair. You, here, here, here's a funny story. We, uh, he was doing a camp out at, uh, we talk about wearing hats on podcasts. Uh, he was doing a camp out in Colorado. And so his, his agent was nice enough to set something up where I could talk to him from the camp, you know, and, uh, so we, we talk and he's got a hat on. And so I don't think anything of it. And then like literally, I mean, five minutes after we're done the interview, people are sending me these pictures of, of, of him with all these campers. And he's got no hair. And I'm like, I missed, I missed the biggest question of the day. Like, oh my God. <laughs> you, didn't even know, Paul, you didn't know. 
I mean, he was like that, you know, when when you're when you're this, yeah. how am I supposed to know? Yeah, it's, so it's, nothing it's, on the side. Something's though. coming out of that, you know. Yeah. I, I, maybe I'm just not observant. Okay, are you guys? <laughs> just oh, you weren't paying attention, Forsberg. Do your job. <laughs> Christ, he, it's all he shaved on the sides for Derek. So like, you know, I just didn't notice. Uh, so uh, that's on me, and I'll be more observant next time. But yeah, ball Derek White, uh, uh, Derek Flight. Based on that dunk on yeah. uh, the poor kid that was probably, you know, I don't take too much. I, I keep joking about this because, uh, one, I hate summer workouts and, you know, that I, I, but I, I, I had to talk about Rob because when I saw Rob working on, 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 on stuff that was really intriguing to me. Um, but just in general, like summer workout tapes or summer pro ams, please. Peyton Pritchard scored 92 points in a pro am. Like, yeah two years ago and it was the dumbest pretty, thing ever pretty and sure same guy when he came locked up by Davion Mitchell the next actual game and, 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 <laughs> and so he's going to the U.S. select camp this year and I think that's really good for Peyton and so like I don't know if it's going to change anything it's four days but he has to guard Jalen Brunson and Tyrese Halliburton and like all these real dudes that's so much more valuable than playing your buddies in, 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 in Oregon and stuff. So like, right. like, let's see what happens there. But I do think I'm, I'm excited because I think Peyton could be pretty important at the start of the year. So, uh, not the, to belittle pro-am numbers and pro-am dunks and all that. Uh, but yeah, like summer's weird. Summer's, summers are, we're all about hype. I do think, and, and I'm, I'm curious how it plays out, but I've, you know, I made the comment on other shows. I've, talked about it a a little bit here as well that i I just think based upon what the roster is right now barring changes obviously we're sitting in late july changes can still happen but where we are currently i think peyton pritchard serves an incredibly important role Mm -hmm. for this team i i think he's going to be playing 20 25 minutes per game on average i think we are going to see uh everything that peyton pritchard wanted to happen elsewhere when he kept you know looking for a trade i think he is now with Marcus gone, and just by virtue of that, you know, one less impactful guard, we'll see what Banton is, obviously. But I think this is going to be a huge opportunity for Peyton Pritchard. Do you see him getting that kind of a workload? The the only thing I would say is it comes down to Brogdon's health. So if Brogdon is, and again, Brad told not me... Not playing 30 a game. No, but so I, I do re- remember that. I think t- Point Tatum, Point Brown... Point Porzingis, like there, there's a lot of minutes that they can eat up in terms of handling the basketball or being sure. part of that. So I do think, um, I don't necessarily see an immediate pathway for Peyton. And yet, if you look at, they used three guards last year. There's going to, they're the, th- if, we, if they're going to use three guards this year, there's going to be an opportunity for him. And so it comes down to just, again, if Brogdon is not healthy at the start of the year, I think it is a giant roll out the gates. Like we're talking 25, 30 minutes a night where they need a backup point guard. Um, and even if Brogdon is just limited, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I see a, a, a huge potential for Brogdon to be, I mean, for, for, for Pritchard to be, uh, part of this rotation. I wonder where it'll be if, if once Brogdon's healthy and you got Brogdon and White eating most of those minutes. And, but it, again, some of that hinges on, Brogdon's future. And so it, it, it's all interconnected and it, 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 like, we'll see if they add any more players before that. It's, uh, 
I like it. The roster feels unfinished to me. Like it feels like there's no movement around the league because Lillard and Harden are still just sort of at this impasse and there's well, no so free agents. They only go into one team. Just ask them. Right. I mean, I mean, so once they find those teams for not, you know, for, 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 for making it seem like they go into one spot, um, I'll be interested if anything loosens and just, you know, teams more towards September start looking at their roster and going, Oh, okay. You know, we don't need seven point guards. So I, I just, I'll be, I'll be interested to see how, the Celtics finish this off. They have three non-guaranteed deals, Cornette, Champagne, and Banton. And so like, you know, there's, there's an opportunity here if they want to maneuver with another open roster spot and a two-way spot, you know, you can, you can sort of shuffle the deck a little bit. Um, You know, nothing that I think will impact the top part of the roster. And yet, you know, you get into camp and you're like, okay, maybe we're a little bit thin at the point guard spot or we're a little bit thin at the wing or, you know, we need this or we need that. And I think that will help dictate how they finish this thing off. Cause again, it just, they could go into the year with this. I just, I just, I just don't get the sense that they're going to sign a 15th guy and be like, yeah, we're good. We're good here. You know, um, it, I think maybe they do. Maybe they just decide to wait till the trade deadline to, to, to approach things. But, um, do you think a Brockton trade is dead? Uh, I would say, and this, this is just my feeling on it, you know, and I've, I've repeated this often that I feel like they were going to trade Brogdon as part of the smart deal. And then they were going to, I mean, as part of the Porzingis deal, and then they were going to trade Marcus Smart. And I wonder if that would have meant Tyus Jones coming to Boston. Um, no one has told me if that would have, was actually the plan or whatnot, but like, when you look at how it was all structured and, and the deal falling apart and then how quickly they were able to audible, I just wonder if they, if they would have been okay with a lower salary backup point guard who could fill that role, who had a high assist to turnover, who probably fit a little bit better in terms of what they wanted, um, mm-hmm. that would have opened an avenue to maybe, you know, explore other options, whether that was keeping Grant or doing something else with the money. Um, I just wonder if that was would have been a possibility. So I can't ever say that I think the Brogdon thing is completely done. Um, I know they've, They've got to repair that relationship a little bit. And I think, you know, Brogdon making $22.5 million is a pretty easy way to be like, just come play and, you know, figure it out. Uh, I think they're both sides are professional enough to figure that out. Um, but like, I just wonder what his value is in a league that's maybe a little bit leery about where he's at health wise. And, um, you know, maybe he needs to show it a little bit before teams are, are ready to, to, to be willing to move it. And so look, I keep saying it in a perfect world in a, in, or in an ideal world with a, without this new CBA, you would have, you would have just carried Malcolm Brogdon off of after signing him last summer. And like he, he was what you needed and you just keep him forever. But the Celtics are looking at a, a real crunch in terms of money. And so mm-hmm. something has to give sooner than later. And unfortunately for Brogdon, $22.5 million is just untenable for a backup point guard. And so something has to give sooner than later. And I don't know if that maybe that'll be in season when they can pile some draft picks with his salary and figure something out, or maybe it's next summer. But um, unfortunately, it's just the reality of the new CBA. So I think you have to keep that avenue open. And uh, the, the, it's just you got to figure out what makes the most sense. We uh, we have to get out of here in a few, but I, I we couldn't do it without hitting on this. Ev, you were texting me earlier. I was waiting um, for this. Yeah. 
really sour. Really just just. I don't think I've been more upset about a Celtics-related headline in a long time, guys. Down, downright butthurt about what could have been. I'm so upset, in, I can't even contain myself. Like Back I'm just... in 1997, as I recall. <laughs> uh, t- talk to me a little bit here, Ev, uh, because I... Wow, I, I don't even know where this is going. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you've been out on the links all day. You may have missed this. Uh, this I totally time. missed this. And I'm not sure that I feel the same way that Evan actually does. So I want him to start. Well, here's here's the thing. Once KG got traded to Boston, my favorite non-Celtic player in the league at that time transferred com- from Kevin Garnett to Tracy McGrady. Mm-hmm. And, and it has been revealed through Ryan Russo's podcast that uh, the Celtics could have drafted Tracy McGrady in the year that he came out. Problem was their head coach at the time was Rick Pitino, and uh, Tracy McGrady did not want to play for Rick Pitino. Because Rick Pitino was a hard ass at Kentucky and just heard a lot of bad stories, and didn't want to play, so he tanked the interview on purpose. He <laughs> his words are a little bit different than this, but they say the same thing. Just to just be totally honest here, tanked the interview so the Celtics wouldn't take him, and this hurts because I love T Mac. Like I just love that guy so much. I love his game. He was my favorite on Celtic, and he's so. What was that the Billups year? Yes. Yeah. Billups, yeah, they, Mercier. They, they passed over him twice. Uh, took, you know, Billups, like you said. I I think T Max said something along the lines of because uh, he because he was asked, you know, Brazil asked him, right. did, did you tank the workout? And he said, he's ah, I wouldn't say that, but I I wasn't like fully me or whatever whatever. Yeah, he, I don't. Here's, so here's, the only thing I would say to that is, yeah. I mean, they they were going to draft who they were going to draft. I don't know if if. And so, like, that part matters. And I think we put more of an emphasis on it now when everything is magnified. When but, you see a guy enter the Hall of Fame. Well, that helps, right? <laughs> um, it, 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 it's, it's easy to say in hindsight about what you would have done. And, you know, I, you know, we'd have to hop in the time machine and, and see what it is. But yeah, like, it's just, it's a little bit of a stomach punch just because of how that draft played out and, and all that. Um, but although if they had drafted T Mac, would Patino have survived? I don't know. I, 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 hope, yeah. I, I, don't, I have no, again, I have no idea how this ends, right? <laughs> you can't, you can't, it's a tough, how, game. how, how would everything, how would the world have changed if, <laughs> if T Mac was here? Like it, it, it's, it's a dangerous, dangerous wormhole to go down and, and all that. Um, Certainly, yeah, I'm just not even upset the way that Evan is. Like, like he he said it, and I was like, oh. And, and so I Google around. I I didn't even listen to the podcast, but I I read a little bit of a transcript within. I think B Rob had an article, and honestly, to me, it, it it's the other way. Like T Mac is the one who just comes off as soft. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like I don't want to go play for a coach that coaches his guys that hard. That ain't happening. I, 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 I am likewise a gigantic T Mac fan, and 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 part of it was my my final few years at ESPN. He was there and and doing some of the jump with us, and uh, he was a really nice nice human being, and you know um all that he's done down there in Houston and all that. There was like I think they had some flooding back in the day, and he was really involved in um you know help people out and he's like a good person and so uh yeah it's it, it, brown a lot helps they train together yeah i mean it, isn't okay. it ironic him and Jalen brown worked out Love pretty that. often and and they t-mac had him down at his house and yeah it's uh i don't i don't want to go down i i don't like the what if route it just makes me mad so uh <laughs> yeah i'm with you i mean it's it, it's fascinating to think about but like you know, maybe they draft T Mac and then trade him because they're so impatient, and it's like then that's even hurts me even more, right? Because 
Um, it's one thing for Chauncey and, 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 you know, all that, but like if they had, they had legitimately had a hall of famer and just were so impatient that they dealt them, um, maybe that would have hurt even more. So yeah, I'm not about the Chauncey thing either, because it like, yeah, I mean, absolutely. You don't trade a guy taking that high halfway through his rookie year. Like I don't, I don't forgive Patino for that, but what, what I will say when people are like, see what, what he, look at Chauncey, he won a championship. He became the, da, 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 da. like, yeah, I mean, it took Chauncey like eight stops before he became the Chauncey Billups sure. that everybody talks about now. So it's not like that happened immediately after mm-hmm. he left Boston. Like those are, you know, two diverging roads right there. Fair. But I mean, we could eviscerate the Patino era for any number of reasons <laughs> that go beyond Chauncey Billups or Tracy McGrady. I, I think uh, John Tomasi brought it up on a, a podcast during the pandemic, but he has some Patino pasta that the team handed out after uh-huh. uh, after they after he was installed and got all the power in the world to to take that position. And uh, I think he just moved. So I hope he I hope he threw it in the garbage as he was because uh, that that was a tough era to live through as a, as someone was who was around for right. it and lost their a lot of their fandom during that that time period so uh thank goodness danny Ainge came and saved us all is your fandom back like i and i will will end after this but are not you know are you allowed to be i recognize you cover yeah. the team and there's there's an impartiality of that i just mean at your core as a local, are you still a Celtics fan, not just rooting for success because it's good for business? Do you do you root for the team because you root for the team? I love this. I love this topic. So Ian Thompson reached out and he's doing some stuff for Northeastern now. We were talking about this this yeah. summer, and um, you know, I, I I put it this way: like, there's a part of me that's this very old school, like you don't you're 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 not part of the story. You're 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 not part. You're not rooting for anybody. Now, every journalist is lying if they don't tell you they're rooting, not rooting for a storyline because, you know, it makes our lives easier and stuff like that. Um, but one of the, one of the, and I would say, you know, I don't know what the right adjective is here, but I think one of the coolest parts of, of what I do now is that I've been able to sort of let that side down a little bit. Right. And so some of it's, you know, I don't want to say it's in jest because like, I really like Rob Williams and like, that's not, that's not a bit that, I mean, it's a bit in the sense that I bring it up all the time because it's funny and people think, you know, look at this idiot saying that they shouldn't trade like Jokic for, for Rob Williams. But um, like in terms of, it's weird for me now because I have young kids and they're starting to sort of at least have an interest in basketball and they want the Celtics to do well. Mm-hmm. And it's always this sort of balance between like, how do I teach them? We live here and their friends like the team. And so it's, it, it's just all, it's all part of it. Um, I would be lying if I said, I don't have even beyond the selfishness of wanting them to do well for business that like you develop relationships with people. And like, I want to see these people do well. I want, Brad Stevens to have success. I want Joe Missoula to, to be successful. And, you know, like that, that's just part of it. And then the, the fandom part of it's weird. Like I, I, I don't, I don't lament losses. Maybe, maybe like the playoff sting because you want it to go forever and you want them to, to win titles and to, 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 for seasons to be magical. Um, but like, yeah, I don't, I, I would say I get worked up because it's part of my job to, tie into that fandom 
And it's like, it does drive me nuts when they don't play to a certain level or they don't play to a standard. And I get that from a fan perspective, but it's, it is a weird balance. Like I just, I don't, I never know how, what the right way to, to do that is. And, and it's funny. Like the old guard looks at me and says, if you have on a pair of green sneakers, like look at this idiot, you know, supporting the team. And, you know, I don't know what the right balance is with that. And, uh, but I, all I know is that some of the people I really like in media are not afraid to be fans. Like, I don't think Bob Ryan has ever been afraid to be like a fan. Um, you know, I love Bill Simmons and like, you know, more than anybody, he's been able to, to toe that line and not be a, uh, be an unabashed fan. And, you know, people might be like, Oh God, here comes another Boston segment. You know, maybe I just justify it because I like want to listen to that stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like what, what, what do you guys come down? Do you guys roll your eyes if I, if I have a hot take about the team and, and, and tie it into how I grew up here or whatever? Like what's, what should I be doing? Not if it's a, uh, a valid take, like a reason take. If, you know, I, I just think there's a difference between straight up homerism that is just blatant homerism but which you know we can all kind of like i'll do it on twitter all the time kind of ingest and like i'll i'll go after our our friend greeny here like if you're if you're tweeting the way greeny tweets where and i i mean even to some he's obviously a fan but even to some degree some of that's a bit you know where it's like just over the top if if you're doing that in your role it's not going to be obviously received you know uh, uh, the the way you would want it to versus Mm -hmm. something that you know, I, I think what you kind of get away with, and you know this, is, you know, some of the Rob stuff or or things along those lines, not only can you do them, they're encouraged because of where you work, being that you are the television, sure. you know, affiliate of, of the team. You know, like, I, I wonder, like, as you were talking, you may not even know the answer to this because you, you haven't been there for it. But, you know, two years ago, this team actually gets done against Golden State wins a championship do you by affiliation get a ring oh i have no idea i, I would i would say no there's no chance but um I, mean, I bet plenty of people in your building do i i wonder and 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 again like i mean it's it, it's it's so weird to even think about for me because I'm, I'm i'm i don't consider myself a part of of like what they're doing sure. i it's it's fascinating to be along for the ride and be part of it and i hope i by proxy am encouraging people to be put their eyes on this and be part of the conversation and make them feel a certain way about that but um yeah i don't know like that would that would be that would be weird to me i did i i did not do as much as 900 other people that really matter in that regards and so um the way i would i would put it is just i i, I always want them to I, the one thing we talk a lot about in our office is being authentic and it's funny because you know, they did this like authentic fan Friday yeah. thing or whatever. And I was like, well, you know, I, I, when I first got there, I was like, what the hell does this mean? Like, you know, <laughs> what are we talking about? Authentic fans or whatever, authentic, or just being authentic. But like, I, I swear to God, like the one thing I've learned through my, my time there has been, you know, you have to be yourself, right? Like you can try to go out there and, and act and be something. And, but if you're not at your core, talking about like what you really believe in or what you like how you feel so that's why like i don't you know people come at me a lot about oh you're you're losing your mind after a loss you're so dumb it's just a regular season game in utah and i'm like yeah but like my phone's blowing up with all my friends who are basketball junkies and they're pissed too 
And like, we're mad that Joe didn't play Derek White for the last 12 minutes. So we're going to yell about that. And if you don't like that, like, okay, but that's like, that's who I am. And, you know, I think, I hope that comes through to the people involved. Um, I hope that comes through to the viewers and like, that's all you can do. If I, if I try, like, it's going to be so obvious when I'm doing something stupid or trying to say something that I don't believe in. Um, like I just can't do it. So yeah, I'll try to be authentic. And if that comes off that, if that comes off in terms of like being overly supportive because I want the team to do well, then maybe that happens. And so, uh, it's fascinating. Uh, like Gorman, chief among them, like, we know he's a huge Celtic fan, right? Like to bring this sure. conversation full circle. I mean, if you're if you're not a broadcaster for a team and a fan, like a home broadcaster, for right? Team, you know, like what what are you doing? Like, yeah, you, you have to be. I mean, the if if for no other reason, even if you are not sincerely a fan because you're whatever from, you know, Indiana and you don't root for the Celtics, like fine, that's okay. But you have to at least sell the bit for your listeners because but, they but, want you to be a fan. But think about it. Like we like, remember how we thought of Tommy, like the ultimate Celtic Homer. And like, for me, Gorman doesn't come across as someone who just slaps you in the face and says, I'm a Celtic fan. Right. We all know. And being part of the ride, we know like what his allegiance is, but I think that's that to me that, that I marvel at that. He's able to do his job and not get soaked into every call like and be mad that it goes against you and just you know be professional about it and all that so uh all the more reason that you know he can never retire and uh uh i'll make sure that that we uh next year when we're celebrating the final year of of mike gorman unless they win the title and then i'll justify it but the only only something's on you i'm just just making sure no not really the only thing i think people understand about working in media and, and, you know, where Chris is at is like when you meet people and talk with them and develop relationships with them, you group for them. And he mentioned that earlier. Um, you know, that's when you, when you cover, you know, like Kaufman, you remember covering, you know, Syracuse basketball, football, lacrosse when you were at school, like you, yeah. those are also your classmates. Like you root for them. It's like, it's right. hard, you know, it's like, it's not, it's not easy. You know, I was, when I used to do play by play for, for minor league baseball, you develop relationships with these guys and like, mm-hmm. I it killed me that Kike Hernandez got traded this week because that's my guy. Like I've I've known Kike since he was 17 years old, and you know part of me is sad that he's gone, but part of me hopes he wins a ring with the Dodgers mm-hmm. so he can you know just go have one more you know crack at a at a World Series. I love that guy. He's one of my favorite people of all time. So it's it, that's a hard balance. I don't think people understand how hard that is because you genuinely just for the most part guys are guys are nice. The guys that play these games are relatively nice. Uh, I don't know if people want them to be jerks or whatever, but most of the time they're awesome. So, it's and, hard. And, and when they're not jerks, you root for them to lose. So know. you know, and, and <laughs> I'm not saying there's definitely people out there that have been like that in recent seasons, 2019. Sure. But you know, like you, you just it, it, it's all part of it. And uh, I will say that um, you know, even someone. So I was thinking about this today. So uh it, it, to to really bring this full circle like i remember bringing my daughter to a Celtics practice one day and jeff green could be moody and was like you know especially coming off the hard stuff like that was a lot of hard stuff to go through and but he took the time to come over and no one else like you know short of brad stevens or whatever would come over and my daughter was just sitting on a like a little exercise pad or whatever drip like she was so little and playing with a basketball but jeff green came over and like interacted with her and to me i was like oh my god so in, in that moment i was like Jeff Green is a human.
who understands like I'm just not somebody who shows up and does this every day. And so I, I like kind of root for him and to watch him win a championship this year with Denver, like it was validating and I, I feel yeah. good for him. And I like, it's okay to be like, you know, to, 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 to be happy for someone. Like, I just can't remove that part of me right? just because I'm freaking media. Like, like right. I have a, a, a human side. So, um, you know, I'm, I, again, it just, as Evan laid out, like it just, whether it's relationships or just, you know, you, you see a side of someone that you're like, Oh, I really like this person. I, I want them to do well. And, uh, you know, I watch a lot of the, the, the work that people put in and, and, and a lot of that is more so the end of the roster guys or the coaches or like mm-hmm. people don't understand like being an assistant coach sucks. Like you work a thousand hours and you scout advanced scout and you like, you stay there after practice for hours and sacrifice time with your family so that some dude can shoot on his time. And, and like, it's just such a grind. And I would never like, you know why Evan Turner got the hell out of coaching after like a year? Cause he's like, I made way too much money to be doing this. And so <laughs> credit to all those guys who go out there and give up their time with their families. Uh, I respect the hell out of that. And I respect the hell out of like, you know, just how hard it is. And so shouts to those guys. And it, look, look, some people are making better money than others, but like, it's still, it's a grind. And, uh, I, you know, I would, I would not want to do it in front office and analytics. And these people work and, uh, I'm really impressed by the time and, and effort they put in there. And, you know, look, they're all working because those people deserve to get their ring and celebrate when they, if this thing gets to where it should. And, uh, Hopefully, hopefully this year they figure out a way to get that. I'll be honest. And I know we got to go, but I, and, and you're not like, I called you a beat writer and to some degree you're a beat writer, but obviously with your role in television, it's, you know, you're in this hybrid thing, mm-hmm. you know, but to the, to the true beat writer, kind of everything you just said about assistant coaches is how I've always felt about beat writers for Fair. people that are outside of the industry that don't understand the grind. And I mean, never mind the wide range of salary, like most are not paid very well, but the, the grind of just like the people think it's glamorous, like being on the beat and going every game and being around all these players and getting to ask questions all, all the time and going to the locker room and all this stuff. And, you know, I've, I've certainly done facets of it in my career. I've never been a a full-time beat writer and I've never wanted to, and you did it for years and years and years. You, you just, you live, you literally live, on other people's schedules oh, yeah. and I can't imagine living that way. And I have nothing but respect for the people who do it because I don't envy it. And someone has to do it. And more so for baseball. Like when I see those oh, people God. grinding 162 oh, games and doing what they do, like yeah. shout out and people that do it for years and years and years. And like you said, I've, 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 I'm benefiting from the ability to diversify and do multiple different things but people that got to be on the ground every day and you know i'm there a lot but not as much as everybody else and uh it's it's impressive so yeah i guess big long long-winded way of saying like shout out to everybody you know yeah. <laughs> it takes but, a lot to do all this especially mike gorman right yeah, mostly <laughs> yeah. i mean again same deal like that's a lot of games yeah so god bless you mike gorman all right well we did it fun show we, we got deep into a lot of different stuff that's what happens when three dudes get together and don't have plans on a Friday night. So you go, you go down some wild Celtics and media rabbit holes. Fun stuff. 
Make sure you check out future shows, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, Celtics Beat, wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, uh, the video, YouTube clips will be out there for you, and of course, the audio that hopefully you're listening to right now. We'll talk to you again next time. Chris, thanks so much.